by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. South Memphis and used to be at Christmas time on just about every corner in South Memphis they would be selling Christmas trees. Y'all remember those days? Most people had live trees back then and that about $10 a piece, you know. And one day Hal came came uh, over my house. He said, man, we got to get, we got to sell some Christmas trees. I said, good idea. Let's go for it. Then I thought, well, we don't have any Christmas trees. <laughs> he said, I know where some are. So we went to his house and he stole his daddy's keys to his dump truck. His daddy had a tree service. And we got in the dump truck and, and we backed off and, and he started driving. He said, don't worry, it ain't got no brakes, but I know what to do. I know how to downshift. Now, normally, you know, I might have been a little worried, but I knew Hal had been manning a chainsaw since he was old enough to, you know, uh, get off the bottle. And, and I knew he knew how to drive because I would seen him. And uh, I knew when he took his driver's test in a couple of years, when he was old enough, he would pass. He'd be fine. So... <clears throat> So he would just downshift, you know, to stop that big old thing. But we drove somewhere, I can't remember exactly where, and I don't want to tell if I did know because I don't know if the statute of limitations is up or <laughs> or what, but it was over off of Airways somewhere, and it was like a 40-acre patch of woods just in the middle of the city. And uh, He drove off the curb down onto the little dirt path that led into the to the woods, and it was kind of muddy that day. And that big old dump truck started going sideways, but old Hal knew how to turn it and fish it, tail it back around. And we were, yeah, this is fun. You know, he, he was switching them gears and getting sideways, and we was just having a big time. He finally drove up into the woods through that little trail. And sure enough, back into the woods there, I began to see these little trees that looked like Christmas trees. Of course, they weren't the kind that they were selling on the corner, but to us, it was close enough. So we hopped out, and we cranked his chainsaw, his daddy's chainsaws that we stole, and, and started cutting them down. And I was thinking in my lightning fast mind, $10 a piece, if we put 50 trees into this dump truck and sell them, we could be millionaires. <laughs> so we did. We worked for three or four hours just sweating and cutting those little rubbery things and then throwing them up in the dump truck. And we filled that, that dump truck all the way to the top. And we said, we was tired, and we jumped in the dump truck, and we said, let's go make us some money. We fixing to be rich, richest kids in Whitehaven. And so we went to drive out, and we turned the dump truck around, and when we got back to, you know, outside the woods and fixing to go up that hill to get back on the road, that dump truck said, back tires started spinning in the mud. Came back down the hill. Hal looked at me. He put it back in granny low. That's what he called it, granny low. We're going to hit it in granny low. Oh, he went back up the hill, and we would almost get to the sidewalk, almost to the, to the pavement, but he'd slide back down the hill. We were starting to get nervous. Here we are with a dump load full of stolen Christmas trees, and now we're out in the open, and sure enough, some parents from the local neighborhoods came walking down there. What are y'all doing? 
Y'all are stealing Christmas trees. We're calling the police. Or I think in the days they said the police. <laughs> and they went and started calling the police on us. So me and Hal's, he's just giving it everything he's gotten. And it won't go up the hill. And Hal finally said, I think it's too heavy. We're going to have to get these trees off of here. So we got out. And since his daddy's dump truck didn't actually dump anymore, we had to get up in the back and throw all those trees that we had spent all those hours, we threw them off in the, in the field. And then as we heard sirens coming, he got a running start and was able to get up on the concrete. And we tore out of there, and as we turned the corner, we saw the police cars coming down the road. And he hit some back streets and stuff, and they never caught us. Woohoo! <laughs> Why do I tell this story? I don't know. But 1 Corinthians 15 33 says, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if I was the bad company or, or what. I think mo most of us was corrupting one another. What do you think? But that's important to remember. Bad company will corrupt your good character. Who you hanging out with? Today's message is entitled, Good King, Bad King. Because last week, or two weeks ago when I preached, we talked about uh, how Israel wanted their own king. Remember, they said, God said, I am your king. They said, well, yeah, we know, but, you know, kind of a far off way. We want an earthly king, like all the other nations, hurt God's feelings and everything. But they resisted, so God gave them a king. He gave them Saul, and then Saul turned out to be a fearful man and a people pleaser. He didn't work out, so God took the kingdom from him and gave him to a young fellow named David. And David had a different spirit. He was a faithful man, and he was a God-pleaser. And we talked about that two weeks ago. Today we're going to move on. And, and these, uh, this time of history, you know, we've been going up through the history of, of mankind. This is the time of the kings. And if you want to read about these stories and stuff, they're in 1 Kings and 2 Kings. In the Bible, First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, they're basically two accounts of the th same thing, the history of the kings of Israel. Now, each king, the Bible will elaborate on, was he was a good king or was he a bad king or whatever, God would label them. He'll tell you right up the front the way he felt about these kings. And it's interesting to see the things that these kings did and the way that they behaved. It's interesting to see how generations go, to see from a, a big perspective, and this whole series is basically doing that, Look, taking a bird's eye view at the history of mankind. So we're going to talk about some of those kings today. Don't worry, we are going to end this series one day. <laughs> In fact, next week, I intend to get to the birth of Jesus. So you want to be here for that, right? Okay, so David was king, and he's about to die, and he uh, gives his kingship to his son Solomon. David wanted to build God a house so bad. He said, God, let me build you a house here on earth. I'm tired of seeing you in the little Ark of the Covenant in a tent. Let us build you something beautiful. 
And um, God said, well, David, you're not the one to do it, but I'm going to let your son Solomon do it. So before David died, he gave the kingship to Solomon. And Solomon, he's this young guy. He's been raised up by his dad, David, a man after God's own heart. He has seen the things that his dad did, and he wants to follow in his footsteps. That's a good thing. That's the way it's supposed to work. And so Solomon gets like the best start ever because God comes to Solomon as soon as he becomes king and asks him in a dream, what can I do for you? How many would like to have that dream? I believe you do. I think I believe you do. I, I believe God would do anything you wanted of him if you did like Joe said and just ask him and you believed in your heart. But anyway, he expected probably, well, God knows everything. He didn't expect it. But, but Solomon could have said, give me riches. I want all the money. He could have said, give me long life. I don't want to die. Give me this. Give me that. But this young Solomon had the wisdom to answer in a way that just pleased God to no ends. He said, give me the wisdom to lead your people well, basically, is what he said. It was about somebody else. And that's the prayer I pray often. Lord, please help me lead your people well. I want to be, be a good steward of the responsibility you've given me. Is that the way you feel? Whatever God has entrusted you with, you want to do well? And that's what Solomon asked. It was a good, it was, it was pleasing to God. So God said, since you didn't ask for long life and riches and all these things, I'm going to give you those on top of the wisdom that you asked for. And boy, did he give Solomon wisdom. Solomon was the wisest man that ever lived on the face of the earth besides Jesus, I believe. Kings, queens, princes would come from all the other nations just to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And everything that he set into motion just flourished. I mean, the kingdom of Israel grew to this superpower. And they said that, that during the time of Solomon, silver was like dust on the street. Everybody had a pocket full of it. I mean, it was just a wonderful time to live. You had this wise king that was uh, following the Lord and just blessing, blessing, blessing. And he did indeed build the temple of God. He built it so glorious that, that we read about his walls covered in gold and things like that. And it was after the design of the true temple that's in heaven. And God gave him the pattern and he built it just like God said. He came, he came out of the womb wanting to do right and he got the best start of anybody that probably ever lived on the face of the earth. But do you know, before it was over, Solomon's life had, had fell and he hit the ground like a thud. I think it was because old Solomon, he was a little too interested in the ladies. I mean, the Bible says that he had 700 wives. <laughs> and the problem was, a lot of those 700 wives didn't serve his God. They served other gods. He brought them from foreign nations and made treaties with the other kings and so forth. And in the process, what happened? They turned Solomon's heart. And do you know it's all about your heart, right? If you lose your heart towards God, you've lost everything. Because everything stems from your relationship with God. You know that, right? Okay, so Solomon... He's got wives that he don't even remember their names. 
Then he's got 300 what they call concubines. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like some extras that he had on the side. I mean, can you imagine 700 wives? There's groups of wives this man has that he don't even remember. Something ain't right about that. And it led his heart in the wrong direction. He was brought down by compromise. It says, I'm sure it's already up here, 1 Kings 11.3, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And in fact, they did turn his heart from the Lord. I want to ask you, have you examined your life for compromise lately? Because it'll sneak up on you quick. You'll be in a slow fade and you won't even recognize it till it's too late. And we have to examine our hearts periodically. Maybe every day. Is there areas of my life that are that I'm, I'm creeping closer into sin, that I'm, I'm, my heart is uh, getting seared about, that it's not even bothering me to do anymore? Or is there areas in my life where I don't praise God like I used to? Man, when they used to sing those songs about Jesus, my heart leapt inside of me, and I just, I raised my hands and I shouted, and I was so happy that I was saved, and that, that fire of my first love, but I've seemed to have lost that. Now it's just like, hurry up and get the music over so we can get out of here and get to lunch or something. Are there areas that you need to keep a check on? You need to watch yourself. What is it, the old saying? You need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. It'll happen. Nobody thought it would have happened to Solomon, but it did. Solomon had good intentions, but they couldn't overcome his bad decisions. You want me to say that again? Because I know everybody sitting on a purple pew right now has good intentions. But your good intentions ain't going nowhere unless your decisions line up. That's why we need guardrails in our life to keep us steady on this long haul called life. Because as many of you know, there's people that used to be on fire for Jesus in these purple pews that we hadn't seen in years. They started out like a shooting star, but they burned out. And they, they let the cares of this life, the lust of the world and the lust of other things, slowly begin to move them off their foundation. They didn't have guardrails in their life. And you say, Pastor, you say that all the time about guardrails. Yes, you need them. Because I'm tired of seeing people fall out. The ones that I'm supposed to be shepherding. So I'm going to tell you the truth. You need a daily Bible reading program of some sort. You need to be hearing from God through the Word of God. You need to be praying every day. You need to ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit, and you need to try your best to walk in the Spirit every day. You don't need to resist the Holy Spirit. You can't do this life without the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. So you need to stay filled. You need to stay on track. And, and the things that the church provides is Sunday service. You don't need to miss that. Just think, if you weren't here right now, you wouldn't even know that you were supposed to be doing these things. 
You think it's an easy thing to miss church. You don't know what you missed Sunday. In life groups, the same kind of stuff, even more detailed. And you get to get involved in the talking and the conversations, life-changing stuff going on in the life groups. That's the guardrail for you. That keeps you on track. All these things. Going to the next step program so that you can... Uh, you can learn how we do things and what we're trying to accomplish here as a church, and we'll put you into action. You'll get involved in a team. You'll help in the, in the children. You'll begin to serve the Lord. Those, and when, when you, this house becomes my church, that's when you got a guardrail in your life. That's a guardrail. Not that I go over to Pastor Guy's church every, every month or so. When's it going to be your church? I don't want it to be my church. It's our church. You see what I'm saying? You don't have guardrails. You're going to get your dump truck stuck out in the mud somewhere. <laughs> Second Corinthians 8.11. We don't have the good news translation back there, but I want to read it out of the good news translation. It says, it says, own with it then and finish the job. Be as eager to finish it as you were to plan it and do with what you do it with what you have now. Now, the, in this scripture, he's talking about finances. He's talking about collecting finances for, for the work of the ministry or whatever. But it could be talking about any situation. In other words, he says, get on with it. Be eager to finish the plan. And we, like I said, that's your intentions is the plan. We all got good intentions. We got a plan. But you got to be eager to finish it. And it says, and do, do it with what you have now. Some people are sitting back saying, you know, when I, when I finish and I get this amount of money in the bank or if I, if I get this new job or whatever, I'm going to settle down and start serving the Lord. If I sow all my wild oats and, you know, I do something with these 300 concubines I got, we're going to serve the Lord. Then, now faith is. Now is the time. There's never been a better time than right now to put your plan into action. Right now. That would, would be like Paul in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I have remained faithful. That's what you want to be said over you, that you have remained faithful. Say, finish strong. Finish strong. Okay, so Solomon, he kind of tapers off at the end. His love for the Lord is waned, and he, he isn't such a good king anymore. In fact, when his, after he died, his son Rehoboam became the king. And Rehoboam uh, became king. The, all the people, the, the 12 tribes of Israel, they sent a representative to talk to Rehoboam and said, Rehoboam, we want to serve you and all, but your dad was a hard taskmaster. He was working us to death. We were... We weren't getting much wages. He was just running us ragged, building all these temples and all this stuff that he was building. And uh, we was asking, can they, I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing. Can, could you kind of lighten up? Could you take it easy on us? Could you stop taxing us so much? He said, uh, and he's a young kid, you know, you know, give me three days to think about it. So he goes back and he talks to the advisors that his dad had, Solomon. And these guys are wise old fellas that's been around, you know. And they say, I think the people are right. If you'll treat these people right, 
They'll serve you faithfully forever. But then he went and listened to the advice of his own friends, the guys his age, the howls in your life. And they said, don't listen to those people, man. You show them what's up. Of course, once again, this is a paraphrase. You go tell them that you're twice the man your daddy was, and if they don't get back to work, you're going to straighten them out. So Rehoboam, he does he takes the advice of his friends and goes, tells them that. And the people are like, dude, okay. <laughs> so they walk away, and ten of the tribes of Israel say, we're not following that guy. Two of them say, well, we're going to stay with him because of the bloodline of David and stuff for his father's sake, you know. And that's where the kingdom of Israel split. You often hear about Israel and Judah. Well, Judah was one of the two tribes that stayed with King Rehoboam, and the other ones got him a new king named Jeroboam. <laughs> I don't know where they get these names, but they got them a new king, and so the kingdoms split. So in the book of First and Second Kings and Chronicles, you see it's confusing sometimes because you, you don't know if you're reading about the lineage of the kings of Israel or the lineage of the kings of Judah, but they're both in there. And so you, before it's over, you, re, you read about like 20 kings I think in Israel, 21 kings in Judah. So that's where the kingdoms split. Proverbs 13, 20 says, He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. So who's riding in your dump truck? Seriously. I know you love them, but you don't let you don't let certain people speak into your life. Some people you got to kind of love from a distance. You you try to uh, influence them more than they influence you. You certainly don't listen to fools' advice because you'll be destroyed. And I'll point out something about else about Rehoboam. It's never a good time to treat people bad. Never a good time. There's no excuse for treating anyone bad. And as far as his leadership goes, leaders, a good leader is a servant to the people. He doesn't lord it over them like the world does. We have a different spirit. You understand that, right? So that's just, you know, the first few kings. I thought I would take a random sample from the book of, of Kings and just uh, hit a few kings in a string and see, kind of give you a generational look at how different people are. Let's start with old King Ahaz. You can find him in 2 Kings 16, but, you know, you read it for yourself later. King Ahaz had a good dad named Jothan. So you think, you know, most of the time when you see good parents, you see good kids, right? Most of the time. <laughs> Is it possible that you could be the world's best parents and your kid grow up and be totally out of control? Jotham was his dad. Jotham was a good king. God said so. He wasn't the best, but he was a good man. And he raised this kid named Ahaz, who became king after him, and he went hog wild. He did what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it. He didn't care about God's commands. 
He just did what he wanted to do. One of the things it says he did was he chunked his own kids into the fire. That was something they did back in the day to sacrifice to false gods. They thought it was pleasing. I don't know why you'd want to please a God that would want that. But they would chunk their own babies into the fire as a sacrifice. <laughs> That's kind of evil, isn't it? Please, please, please tell me that you don't support abortion. Or support those who do. If you do, please repent. That is not good king material. Please Repent. God will forgive you, but that means turn from that wickedness. Do not support the throwing of our children into the fire. Please. There is forgiveness if you've done these things. Or if you've thought that way, but please. That is not God's way. So Ahaz also, he took all the silver and the gold out of the temple of God, and he gave it to the king of Assyria, to rescue him from his enemies. So he stole from God's treasury to protect himself. Instead, he, he was looking for, to man to protect him instead of God. Who do you think could protect you the best? Please, please tell me that you ain't trusting Trump or Biden to be your savior. Please. Anyway. Ahaz had this compromised priest named Uriah. Not the same Uriah that you read about in other stories. But this priest named Uriah. That helped him accomplish all his evil acts. That's strange. A priest. Please. Please tell me. That you don't just listen to the preachers who tell you what you want to hear at the expense of biblical truth. But we got a generation doing just that. They go to preachers that tell them that their sinful lifestyle is okay with God. They go to preachers having itching ears. Tell me what I want to hear. That's the way I believe God. That's, that's what they think in their mind. They think that's believing God. Anything that you're believing outside of what this word says is assuming that you're God. And you're not. You don't get to make the choices. We follow the choices that were put before us. Anyway, Ahaz was a, he was a character. Now, I'm sure he, he didn't do a very good job parenting. Do you think he would have been a good parent? He didn't care about anything but himself. So when his son Hezekiah became king, what kind of king do you think he would be? Probably miserable, right? Because his dad was miserable. I mean, that's usually how it goes, right? No. Hezekiah was a good king. Do you think it's possible to have horrible parents and still come out a good person? God can turn everything around. 2 Kings 18.5 says, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord. And that right there, my friends, is the difference in everything. Every area, every arena of your life, 
It's conditional to that one passage right there. Trusting in the Lord or not. Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. And there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before or after his time. Man, don't you just love a good success story? The reason I ask that is because I think yours can be like that. I think many of yours already is like that. I think you're sitting in a room full of generational curse breakers is what I believe. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything. And he carefully obeyed all the commandments the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him. That's what we need, isn't it? And Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. Why? Because the Lord was with him. He revolted against the king of Assyria, the guy that his father was scared of. He said, we ain't paying you tribute no more. You're not taking no more gold from our temple. I'm trusting in the God. I'm trusting in my God. And so the king of Assyria came to attack. He says, you ain't going to pay me my tribute? You don't don't realize who we are. We're Assyria. We're the world power right now. We're going to show y'all what's up. They came with 185,000 troops and surrounded Hezekiah. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. And you said, you hear what they're saying, how they're blaspheming you, Lord. You're our hope. He fasted and he prayed. And God killed all 185,000 of them troops in the night before they even got to attack Israel or Judah. God, please, please, please tell me that the Lord goes before you in battle. That you're not fighting your own battles. That you're not thinking human strength is enough to get through this life with godly success. It's an interesting story when Hezekiah got sick. Uh, God spoke to the prophet Isaiah and said, go tell Hezekiah he's about to die to get his affairs in order. And you might think, well, that's cold. God told him he's fixing to die. No, I think that is, that is love. God loved Hezekiah so much he spoke to a prophet to go tell him, get your affairs in order because I'm going to take you home. You're going to be with me. It's all good. And I believe some of us, we might be more comfortable about our death if we knew we were hearing from the Lord regularly. But anyway, God was was tender and kind to Hezekiah and was going to tell him when he was going to die. Well, Hezekiah was laying in his sickbed and he turned to the wall. And he cried out to God, God, remember all the good things that I've done in my life, Lord. Remember how I love you, Father. Please help me. I'm not ready to die yet. I want to live some more. I want to live for you some more, God. I want to do greater things here on earth. I don't want my life cut short. Please, God. And he cried out to the Lord. And Isaiah, he was walking down the street back to his house. And God said, turn around. Isaiah turned back around, went back to Hezekiah, and told him what the Lord said. And the Lord said, he's going to give you 15 more years. Please, please tell me your first turn is always towards God. Please tell me that if you went to the hospital and they told you you had cancer and you weren't going to survive, you wouldn't say, oh, that you would say, oh, Lord. And you would turn your face towards God and see what God says. 
God literally changed the rotation of the earth for Hezekiah. God said, Hezekiah said, hi, well, I know this is going to happen. God says, let me show you something, son. I'm going to make the shadows go backwards. And the earth said, And he spun the earth in a different direction for Hezekiah. I didn't look into this, but I'd heard stories about they were missing some time. And these scientists were looking at the history of mankind, and they were missing some time for some reason. I don't know how they know where where time went. But somebody said, have you looked in the Bible where it says that God spun the earth backwards? And time stood still? I don't know, just a thought. Is there anything that God won't do for somebody who loves him and follows him and trusts him. He'll let you know what's coming down the pike. He'll change your circumstances if you ask him. He'll lead and guide you and he'll just do, he'll, he'll, he'll stop the rotation of the earth for you if he has to. Isn't that good? Hezekiah was a good king. And we just know that his son, Manasseh, he's going to be a good king. Not so much. <laughs> Manasseh, coming from this good family, serving the Lord, seeing these miracles, turns out to be the worst king in the line of the kings of Judah. The most evil. And yes, worse than his grandfather Ahaz. Are you kidding me? How could you be worse than Ahaz? He abandoned God completely. He, he went whole hog for the devil. He, he not only stole from the temple, but he rearranged the temple and worshipped other gods in our God's temple. It said the city streets ran with the blood of the murders from the hand of this man. We often look at people and say, how can they be so evil? Heart of man is def- desperately wicked. If you let it to its own devices, that's the direction it's going. Do you understand that? That's why you can't quit. That's why you can't quit doing good. That's why you got to have these guardrails. Because if you let sin have a, an inch, it'll take a mile. It keeps coming. You'll find, you think Jeffrey Dahmer was a little boy, says, I'm going to grow up and eat people. Or do you think he started off with a Playboy magazine? Just a question. Manasseh, whole hog for the devil. And his daddy raised him right. We would assume. Can people turn out evil? Is Is it their parents' fault? Or does every man make his own choice in this life? Choice is. Wouldn't it be easy if it was just one choice? We all got that intention. Yeah, I want to be a good person. We've made that choice. But where did, where did our decisions lead us? So Manasseh had a son that took over after he died. And, and sure enough, 
This was another evil guy. His name was Ammon. He followed in his daddy's footsteps. And we see that happening generation after generation sometimes, don't we? It isn't always the turnaround story. Sometimes it's just more of the same. And Ammon followed in Manasseh's footsteps in the stench of the sins that these two bad kings had created in Judah was so smelly that his own people murdered him after two years in office. His son wasn't but eight years old. This was a young king. And so his son wasn't but eight years old, but they said, he's got to do better than that guy. And his son's name was Josiah. How many thinks Josiah was a good king? I mean, after two generations of total whole hog for the devil, how could Josiah, eight years old, how could anybody rule a nation at eight years old? I think children are much more capable than we give them credit for. I think children are not just people in the back that we kind of let somebody babysit, you know, while we're the real workers in the kingdom of God. I think sometimes in this generation, the children are more influential in the family than the parents are. They got spirits just like ours, and God can use them in the same way he uses us. And we believe that here at this church. Children can do big stuff. Don't worry, I'm about to quit. Second Kings 22.2 said that Josiah did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. Just like that Josiah back there. Spelled a little different. And he followed the example of his ancestor David. He did not turn away from doing what's right. So what Josiah did was he set his attention as king, even as, as a young boy, when he got in his teenage years, he says, let's rebuild God's temple. So he began to rebuild the temple of God that his father and his grandfather had destroyed. And in doing so, they found the written word of God. And so he saw the Holy Scriptures and he read it and he realized we're not doing any of this stuff. And he felt so bad that he tore his clothes and repented. He didn't care who was watching. He didn't care what anybody thought. He wasn't a people pleaser. He was a God pleaser. And he realized that we hadn't been pleasing God. And he tore his clothes and he repented. And he personally began to read the scriptures to all the kingdom. He assembled everybody in Judah and said, y'all come around. We got to listen to this. He renewed the covenant with the Lord, and he vowed to keep all of God's ways. This is the way we're going to do it from here on, fellas. This is the way we're going to live it. We're, and he tore down all the altars of the false gods. He, he uh, destroyed all the pagan paraphernalia. Everything that was offensive to God, he got rid of it. He ran off all the psychics and mediums. He removed all the false and compromised priest from their office. All these wolves in sheep's clothing pretending to serve in the temple of the Lord, but not. And of course, he stopped the practice of aborting their sons and daughters. Second Kings 23, 25 says, Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all of his heart and soul and strength and obeyed all the laws of Moses. And there's never been a king like him since. That's, that's the good report we want to hear about our 
That's what we want written about us and when all the books are written in it. Where do you stand generationally? If you were to look at your father and your grandfather or your grandmother and so forth and your brothers and your sisters and you would look and examine your life, would you be like Josiah or would you be like Manasseh? Would you be like Hezekiah or would you be like Ammon? Are you the black sheep in your family and you kind of done got proud of it and you just, well, I, I suck, I might as well be proud of it, you know? You know, it's how some people, they just begin to be proud of, I'm the black sheep, you know? And they begin to take that on as their persona. That's, that's terrible. That's terrible. Where do you stand? Maybe it's time we all Begin to serve God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Turn everything over to Him. You say, I don't know where to start, Pastor. I don't, I don't know how to do this. What do I do? Well, what did Josiah do? He came into a terrible situation. The, the kingdom was in a mess. Maybe your, your family tree doesn't really even fork. You know what I'm saying? Maybe your family tree is a mess. It's full of manasses. It's full of Ahazes. And you're thinking, I don't know how to turn this around. Well, what did Josiah do? It says he began to put his attention on rebuilding the temple. In other words, he got busy building what God was doing, and he got in the church. He said, I'm going to help God build his church. Because Jesus said, I will build my church. And that's where the kingdom of hell will not prevail. You understand? I'm going to get about God's business. And he rediscovered the Holy Scriptures. He got into the Word of God. And he not only read it for himself, but he read it to his family. To all those who would listen. He tore his clothes and repented when he realized. You know, some of us, I just want to shake us and say, Okay, I know you believe that. But what if what you believe is wrong? What if it is contrary to the Word of God? What if what you taught is wrong? But my grandmama always, no, no, maybe she was wrong. What does the word of God say? Repent, even if it's not your fault. It's, repent doesn't mean, it means turning from the, the lie and turning to the truth. And the truth will set you free. So he renewed his vow to keep the Lord. In other words, he got saved. God, I vow to serve you. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. He tore down all the, the altars to the false gods. He got rid of his crack pipe and all his paraphernalia, so to speak, his pagan paraphernalia. He threw his Playboy magazines away. Anything displeasing to God, he says, I, I don't want it in my life. He ran off all the mediums and the psychics. He stopped listening, watching his horoscope on the Sunday paper. And all these things that are trusting in false spirits. And all the preachers that we've heaped to ourselves that tell us that we're okay the way we are when it's not according to the biblical truth. And he stopped listening to them. And he stopped practicing the aborting his sons and daughters. That's how Josiah did it. And we can do those same things today. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Right now is the time. 
Yeah, well, me and Hal, boy, we was going to be rich. We almost was going to be in jail. We spent our life running from the police, the police. <laughs> and when it was all said and done, we got home with an empty dump truck. And we had spun our wheels, and we had wasted all our youth trying to get rich, trying to do what we thought we were supposed to do. And when it was all said and done, we had an empty dump truck to show for it. Don't be like that. When your name is written in the books and all the books have been written, will it say good king or bad king? Because every king's actions has consequences for generations to come. You say, but I'm this way because of my parents. Well, I'm telling you, you can have a new daddy now. You say, I'm this way. I was born this way. Well, you can be born again. Your parents won't be on trial on your judgment day. And your list of excuses will not be admissible evidence in the court of heaven. Either you a good king or you a bad king. You followed the Lord or you didn't. Which one are you? Well, praise God, I'm believing you're a good king. I'm praying for each one of us to trust the Lord. That the Lord will be with us like he was with Hezekiah. He'll, he'll stop the rotation of the earth for you if you let him. He wants to bless you. You don't even know how much he loves you and wants to give you, but he can't because he knows you'd spend it on something you ain't supposed to. Same way you do your children, right? Because you love them. He loves you. God loves you. He wants the best for you. You just got to choose like Josiah. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Doesn't matter what happened in the past. I'm forgiven for the past. The past is the past at last. I'm stepping into a new future. There's a new king on the throne, and his name is Jesus. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.